morning. I'm very happy to be back at Mount Olympus. I love coming down here and worshiping with you. Let us pray. Gracious God, giver of all good gifts, we thank you for the gift of this morning and the gift of this time to gather together as a family. We ask that as your word is read, that your word is proclaimed, you would silence in us all of that stuff that's yelling for our attention, that you would quiet us down, calm our hearts, and help us to be present in this moment. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. glasses. One moment, please. Sorry. <laughs> the uh, parable of the persistent widow from um, Luke chapter 18. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable, parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. So this uh, text is a little tricky for me, honestly. I had trouble with it. And uh, I was discussing it with my wife, you know, that it was tough text and this bothering God and this nagging to God. And, and she said, I really like that text. And I, I didn't really get it, you know. And, uh, and I was laying on the couch yesterday. Well, we, we have a bunch of chores that need to get done around the house. And, uh, and I was laying on the, she was working on them, I was laying on the couch. And... Uh, she come up and reminded me of one of them, you know, that this was, and I said, you know what, I told you that I'm going to do that, and you don't need to bring it up every six months just to, <laughs> just to keep bugging me about it. And, uh, and I think that's the problem why I don't like this parable, because this, anyway, it's a little too close to home. Most of Jesus' parables, he kind of leaves us hanging a little bit, leaves it open to an interpretation. But this one, it seems, it, well, this one, the gospel writer tells us what the point of the parable is even before we get the parable. He says, Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and to not lose hope. Pray always and do not lose heart. And that's a frequent theme in Scripture. Luke had another parable just a few chapters back about that theme. And this, this parable has these two really different characters. One is this unjust judge who has no fear of God and no respect for people. And the other is this poor widow who keeps pleading with him for justice. And a widow, as you know probably, at that time couldn't inherit 
inherit her husband's wealth or his estate. Everything would go to his brothers or his sons. And if they didn't do right by her, by her, she's left destitute. And she might have to turn to a judge to get help, and that might be what's happening in this story. We don't really know. But whatever's happening in this story, the judge doesn't really care. And the widow doesn't give up. And finally, the unjust judge relents, not because he's been touched by her pleas, as he says himself, I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone. Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice, though that she may not wear me out by her continually coming. And we actually uh, were talking about this text earlier, and uh, um, a direct translation is uh, that I'm afraid she's going to come and give me a black eye, or she's going to come, you know, punch me out or something. So this judge, it seems like he's proud of his hard-heartedness. And he has to come up with some kind of excuse for doing the right thing. See, she's publicly embarrassing him. And he wants to silence her, to get rid of her, to shut her up. Can we have any doubt whose side Jesus is on in this parable? Not only can we be sure that Jesus views this widow with compassion, but I think that he's proud of her. He's rooting for her. You know, I hear, I hear Jesus saying, you go, girl. Stay on that guy. And so my first impulse is to focus on this theme of standing up against injustice, not giving into it, not giving up. And I, and I had a really cool things written and lifting up examples and stuff, but the start tells us the parables about praying always and not losing heart. I couldn't push away that idea of persistent prayer because I've had a lot of experience, and I'm sure you've had a lot of experience too, when we feel like our prayers aren't just not getting answered. We keep praying and praying and nothing happens, and we kind of feel like this widow. I have um, a buddy of mine. His name's Curtis, and I love him with all of my heart, but he's such a dummy. And, uh, and I was working with Curtis, and we spent a lot of time, and... and uh, we were talking about God and our relationships and, and things like that, and then I lost him, and he disappeared. And I knew he was out running and gunning, and I, and I, and I prayed for him. I brought him up in my prayers every day, and when, when I gathered with people, I'd say, lift up Curtis in your prayers. Sunday mornings, they'd say, what are the prayers of the people? I'd raise my hand, Curtis, let's keep Curtis. Everybody got bored of me listening, talking about Curtis all the time. I kept thinking to myself, God, what are you doing? I miss, you're missing out on the point here. I want Curtis' help. See, that's how my brain works is not only do I give God all these assignments, but I give God a timeline for these assignments. I'm like, God, I really need new tires for my truck, and if you could get that done between 3.30 and 4, it would work out so great, you know. And then by about... Five o'clock, I'm like, well, there's no such thing as God, and he doesn't answer my prayers, and he doesn't love me, because obviously, and one day I was sitting there, and I was doing nothing, and my phone rang, and I looked down, and it had Curtis's number, and he called me, and he said, buddy, I'm in trouble, and I need your help, and I jumped up, and I went and got him, and, and we got him into a place, and, and the, the physical transformation from the kid that I used to know that was awesome to the broken hurt 
ruined man that I found was amazing. And I took him and I got him some dinner and we got him into a place and, and I went and saw him yesterday and he's, he's thriving again. And the lights come back on in his eyes. And God did for him what he couldn't do for himself. And he didn't do it because I was bugging. God did it because he was on his own timeline. God was working slowly through prayer. I think when we talk about prayer, we need to ask ourselves, pray always and not lose heart. What does Jesus mean when he says pray always and don't lose heart? Because we, do we really think that God is unaware of what we need? Doesn't Jesus talk about this exactly in Matthew? He says, when you pray, don't pour out a flood of empty words as the Gentiles do. They think that by saying many words, they'll be heard. Don't be like them because your Father knows what you need before you ask. So if God knows what we need before we ask, we, either have, we have to come up with the conclusion that A, God simply really likes to hear us grovel. Or praying always and not losing heart is about something altogether different than just nagging God, just pestering God. And I think the key to this passage is the widow had been there so many times that the judge knew her. She'd been there so many times she had developed some kind of weird, unhealthy relationship with this judge to the point where he was sick of her, but at least he knew her. When the ancient mystics talk about prayer, God prays through you. And it involves this total emptying out of self and allowing the Spirit of God to work within the individual. And interestingly, this kind of prayer is least connected with getting the things we want. What if prayer isn't about getting what we want? And to be quite honest, the popular idea of prayers as these just giving God our list, who like a king or maybe even like Santa Claus, we simply have to let him know what we want, let him know when we need it, and he shows up with a bag full of surprises. And we helps if we bother a little bit. It's somewhat bizarre when we think about all the other stuff that we already know about God. I mean, we know that God knows everything. So why do we have to pray for stuff? Unless God likes to hear us beg. We claim that God is gracious to us, so why do we have to beg for God to act on our behalf? We claim that God is wise and generous, so why do we think we have to manipulate Him? Into, and praying a lot or stronger or with more people in order to get God to do what we want Him to do. What if we imagine that God already knows what we want and that God already seeks to provide the things we need and that God already loves us and seeks to be in relationship with us and that God does not need to be bribed or bullied or cajoled into wanting to provide for us the things we need. See, God is at work in our lives before our pleading, before our repetitions, before our attempts to get God's attention. Well then, Kirk, what is your point? Are you saying that we're against prayer that has no use? Absolutely not. Because prayer is the single most important thing in my life. But what if prayer is about transforming us 
rather than prevailing upon a, on God for something? What if prayer was about just slowing down and being in, enjoying being in the presence of God? What if we saw prayer not as that express lane at the grocery store, but a big, overstuffed, comfortable couch we could sit on next to God and celebrate our relationship with God? Just a little while ago, we joined together as a family and we lifted up our prayers of the people. And in that time of lifting up, we built our relationships with each other closer and better by lifting our voices in unison. We celebrated our, our relationship with each other, but we also celebrated our relationship with a God who knows us and loves us as we gave voice to all that stuff way down deep. You know that stuff way down deep that you can't say out loud, that you can't share with the neighbors, that stuff that you wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and stare at the ceiling about? That's what God wants to hear. He wants to hear about us, about who we really are. Pray always. Do not lose heart. I have a friend named Tammy. And Tammy is one of the most beautiful people I know. However, Tammy wasn't always the beautiful person she is now. Tammy's had a difficult life, and honestly, Tammy has seen things and done things that most of us here can't imagine. Tammy's life finally hit rock bottom about 15 years ago. She had lost her home, her family, her friends, her self-worth. She woke up one day on a dirty mattress in the floor of a crack house in Philadelphia. She was desperate to not feel anymore how she felt that morning. She was so desperate to change her life, she ended up asking for help and getting into recovery. And she told them, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I'm willing to do whatever you ask me to do because I don't want to feel this way anymore. Tammy was a confirmed agnostic. However, the people in recovery told her, you need to pray every day. Tammy said, well, I, I don't believe in God. They said, we didn't ask you to believe in God. We asked you to pray every day. When you get up in the morning, say this prayer. When you go to bed at night, say this prayer. When you're in trouble during the day, pray this prayer. And Tammy was so broken and so desperate, she did it. I prayed, she told me, I prayed multiple times every day to a God I didn't believe in. Until I woke up one morning and the cravings for drugs and alcohol had left me. And I realized that I had a relationship with God that I didn't understand. But that relationship was the number one most important thing in my life. See, Tammy's faith has now matured to the point where she spends most of her time helping other women find a higher power, find recovery. C.S. Lewis one of my heroes, summed up Tammy's story when he said, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God, it changes me. Prayer doesn't change God, it changes me. Slow, calm, relaxed, 
relational prayer with God works change within the life of the person praying. It makes us more aware of our needs. It places our thoughts before us. It gives us courage to strive after the things we seek. It's not about prevailing upon a reluctant God who will only give us what we want if we beg and we nag. I believe that prayer creates in us a God space. Prayer opens up our spirits and gives God presence in our lives, allowing God some room in our souls. And that's what the season of Lent is about. It's about giving God room in our lives. And when we have room for God in our hearts, then amazing, spectacular things happen. We open ourselves up to God through prayer, not in an effort to nag God into doing what we want, but in an effort to give God that room in our souls. We may find ourselves empowered and blessed in ways we couldn't even realize were possible. The Scottish devotion writer Oswald Chambers wrote, Our ordinary views of prayer are not found in the New Testament. We look upon prayer as a means for getting something for ourselves. The Bible idea of prayer is that we may get to know God himself. Prayer first changes us and allows us to become into this fuller communion with God. And by that communion, God works out God's promises and purpose in the world. In our praying, we seek not to get to God to do what we want, but we seek to become the people that God wants us to be. Prayer allows us to slow our lives down and to bathe in that sunlight of the Spirit. God is not like a king of old with whom we must gain audience, before whom we must lay our petitions. God is not that unrighteous judge who responds only because we convince him that we are not going to go away quietly. God knows our needs. God knows our desires. God seeks our well-being. And when we just slow down and pray and build that relationship with God, we open up ourselves to a life-changing encounter with our Creator. When we slow down and pray, we create God's space within us which helps us to see ourselves more clearly, that helps us to be aware of our own needs and our own dependence, that helps us to face the road ahead with faith because we've opened ourselves up to this divine presence. When we participate in slow, honest prayer, we are the ones that are transformed. The prayers we pray to get what we want do not change our lives. St. Teresa said, there are more tears shed over answered prayers than unanswered prayers. But opening ourselves up to God can transform our lives through prayer. It can transform us into ways that we didn't even know how to pray for. And being transformed ourselves, we become agents of transformation in the world. Changing this world into something amazing and beautiful more amazing than we could have ever imagined. Prayer builds relationships with people around us. Prayer builds relationships with God. Prayer makes space in our hearts for God to enter in and change everything about us.
Let's pray. Gracious God, author and giver of our lives, you know us. You know the things about us that no one else knows. You know the things that have happened that have broken our hearts and left us wounded. Help us to know you. Help us to be open to your presence. Help us send your Holy Spirit to surround us. That even though we are walking through a valley that feels a lot like death, we know that you are with us and that your rod and your staff will comfort us. We know that when we're thirsty, when we're afraid, you will lead us beside those still waters. Gracious God, we give you praise and thanks that you are willing to enter into our lives in ways we can't even imagine. Quiet us down. Calm us down. Open us up to your will. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.